Well, I mean, when George Floyd was murdered, um, there wasn't a thought. You know, it was just go. Was, um, mm. Put myself on go mode and just went out and, you know, focused myself and my lens, my career, everything on documenting what was happening in the streets. So uh, there wasn't much of a change, you know, and for me, it was just, you know, the hardest part was just getting out there and, and making sure that I um, stayed out there. What's going on, y'all? You have just tuned in to the Black Shutter Podcast. On this show, I invite black photographers, filmmakers, editors, and creative business folks to discuss their experiences and share their wisdom. You will hear about their work, their challenges, and their inspirations. My name is Idris Talib Solomon, a creative director, photographer, and filmmaker based in Brooklyn, New York. So if you dig photography and you love the culture, keep your mind open and your headphones locked. This is the Black Shutter Podcast. The crazy thing about photography is there's this expectation for photographers to pick a lane. If you're a fashion photographer, you can't do sports photography. If you're a food photographer, you can't do landscape photography. As photographers, it helps us get more clients if we have a specialty. I agree with that. But as artists, as someone with an opinion and a perspective, that narrow focus can sometimes limit our form of expression. Our guest in this episode is a self-taught photographer with over 20 years in the game. He's photographed some of the biggest names in hip-hop and sports. He photographs nightlife, street documentary, and more recently, photojournalism. During the pandemic, He transformed from a music and nightlife photographer into one of the most sought-after photojournalistic reporters. His client list includes Nike, Instagram, Google, Hennessy, and the list goes on. His second published book is entitled American Protest, which is dedicated to the Black Lives Matter protest that swept the country in 2020 and 2021. Mel D. Cole, welcome to the Black Shutter Podcast. How you feeling out there, bro? I'm good, man. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Oh, man, definitely, man. Like, the, the amount of work you've put up over the last, like, two decades, man, the, the, the pleasure is all ours, man. So tell us, where you calling from? Actually, I'm calling from my apartment, um, apartment building on, my, on the top floor looking out at the skyline of uh, New York City right now. Nice, nice. So are you in New York City? I'm in Jersey City, actually, but looking at New York City. Nice. Nice, nice, nice. So are, are you from the Northeast originally? Yeah, I'm originally from Syracuse, New York, but been living down in uh, New York and Jersey City and Philly and Bronx, Brooklyn for the last 20 years. All right, right. So um, the Northeast is part of your blood. That's in your bloodstream. Yeah, pretty much all I know. I hear you, <laughs> besides, man. Besides traveling the world, but this is this is home. Yeah, but you know where you're from, you know, regardless of how much you travel, where you're from originally, you take that with you everywhere you go, right? So you can't, they can't take the New York or the Northeast out of you, even if you're like in Europe, you know? Definitely not. And definitely can't. You know, uh, you have like a really long career, um, but I like to get to like the root of how okay. people's careers started, man. So like, what was... Describe, like, the upbringing in your household. Like, 
What? How did your family, your parents view the arts? Let's see. My father was a DJ, still is a DJ. Oh, dope. Excuse me. Yeah, he owned a record shop uh, for a very long time. Most of my life uh, growing up, especially maybe into uh, till I got to college. And then um, that's when he closed the record shop. Uh, so, yeah, arts, you know, being creative is always something that was a part of my life. My mom uh, used to make like uh, flowers for weddings and things like that. And I used to sit up and draw and, uh, you know, dream about being a DJ like my dad. And, uh, yeah, that was pretty much it. I was always interested in arts. I always felt that I was creative. I always felt that, uh, you know, something about, something about me wasn't going to, you know, do the, wasn't built for the nine to five working for somebody else uh, type of route. I know exactly what that, that feeling feels like, man. I, I think I've gotten fired from every job that wasn't creative. Like I would either <laughs> like walk in with an attitude at a certain point, basically like right. firing myself or, you know, like I just, it just didn't fit for me. You know what I mean? So I understand that, that feeling a hundred percent, but that's dope, man. It sounds like both your parents had creative, unconventional ways of making money. Yeah, I would say my father more so. My mom really didn't pursue it uh, so much. But my dad, that was his bread and butter, you know, for a long time. I mean, he just booked his first DJing gig in a in a very you know a couple years, uh, not too long ago. So he's still trying to get at it. You know, still trying to do it. Well, he's still DJing. Uh, yeah. What, what kind of what kind of events does he DJ now? Uh, weddings, wedding receptions, um, you know, stuff like that. Maybe a birthday party here and there. He did have a, um, a, a weekly gig at this, at the, at this Elks Lodge in Syracuse, but, um, you know, COVID came and that's that. <laughs> yeah. Took a lot of things away. Washed it away, right? Yeah, definitely. So, um, where'd you go to school? Did, how'd you learn, you know, uh, the craft i'm self-taught so i didn't go to school for photography beautiful um but i did uh i'm a high school dropout uh like i said born and raised in syracuse new york and uh after uh i dropped out took the gd passed the gd but before i took gd i applied to to college mohawk valley community college in utica new york i did a year there transferred to Morrisville in Morrisville, New York, graduated with associate's degree in uh, liberal studies. I still didn't know what the hell I wanted to do, <laughs> so, but uh transferred or well, applied. It's not, I guess, you know, transferred, but I applied and got into Stony Brook out in Long Island. Mm -hmm. And I still didn't quite sure know what I was going to do, but I wanted to do something creative. So I studied uh, film, cinema and cultural studies was the name of the degree that I have. And yeah, that, that was that. I got out of school and then um, still didn't quite, wasn't quite sure, you know, what I wanted to do with myself. And you got, you studied film at Stony Brook? Yeah. Uh, it wasn't, it's was like studying the art of filmmaking, not studying how to make films. Ah, uh, so almost like film history? Yeah, film history, just the, the nuances of films, studying filmmakers, you know, learning every you know everything about it, but you're not actually learning how to make a film. Mm. 
So then at what point, you know, graduating with those degrees, you know, taking your GED, bouncing from, you know, um, university to university, at what point did you pick up a camera? Uh, 2002. At a common show at uh, SOB's mm-hmm. in the city. Um, yeah, disposable camera. And I uh, got home and I was like, ah, oh. after getting developed, actually, at like Rite Aid or Dwayne Reed, mm-hmm. I forget where. And I said, ah, oh, these are cool. And um, put them in a shoebox. And then it took a little while for me to realize that um, the photos were good is I started looking yeah. at more magazines and other people's work and I started comparing my work to that work and then I was like oh, okay I think I'm gonna buy a camera and try to become a photographer that's dope so it started with a, a disposable or oh, you said Polaroid uh, no disposable Dispos- camera yeah so alright you say you you, de- you developed those photos put them in a shoebox but what happened after that? Like, how did when did you pick up another camera? Did you go to another show? Like, how did it start to become something more regular for you? Uh, well, I uh, just I bought a camera, and then I mean, I didn't want to just have a camera and not uh, do anything with it. So I would go out to parties, events, um, concerts, whatever I could do, whatever I, I wanted to shoot. I tried my best to shoot it and, you know, accomplish the goals of you know, doing it. Sometimes, you know, I was told no, but, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of times I was told yes. So just kept shooting and it was much easier back in 2002, three, four. There weren't a lot of photographers, you know, doing things. It was just a lot, you know, it was like the, the older guys still using film cameras and a lot of, you know, people weren't using digital cameras yet. So I was like in that first wave of people using uh, digital cameras, you know, on at nightlife, at concerts and things, you know, yeah. stuff like that. So. Early two thousands, yeah, that's right around that time. Um, because that's around that's around the time when I first picked up a camera, and I was still, you know, really shooting a lot of film. And I remember mm-hmm. um, the digital cameras. I think it was they were crazy expensive, man. I think they were like three G's for like a five megabyte camera, something ridiculous like that. Yeah. They're really expensive. Yeah. So, you know, you have, you know, you have over like 20 years of, uh, in the music photography game. Um, and it sounds like, you know, there was a love of music developed in the house due to like what your father did as a DJ. Right. So I was going to ask you, what was your, your first love? Was it, uh, music or, Photography and the arts. Music. Music. Yeah, loving music. You know, listening, being a fan. That did, was the did, thing. You ever tried it? Making music? Yeah. No. I'm not I'm not good at that. No, I never tried. See, I don't think, have <laughs> I think what's dope about your story is that while music is your first love, you also found another interest in photography, right? And you use exactly. photography to go after that thing you love. And well, it's, it's it's a point of it's a it, to me it's it's in a nutshell it's it's a love story of loving, you know, hip hop and loving music, but knowing yourself and knowing that you uh, you're not you're not a rapper, you're not a producer, you're not a you're not Diddy, you're not Dr. Dre, you're none of those people, but you want to be close to those people, you want to be in the same rooms with them, breathe the same air 
as they're breathing. So what do you do? You uh, you document them. And that's that's what I did. I documented what I love the most, you know, people that inspire me, people that move my body, people that make me want to, you know, shake my ass. Uh, that's what I did. Mm-hmm. Be around them and, and be around people that are, you know, super creative, like the quest loves of the world, you know, that stuff rubs off on you. And so that you keep doing that and that's going to lead to, you know, other things in life. Yeah, absolutely. It's funny you mentioned quest love, right? Like, so, uh, I first discovered your work back in 2016. I was at the, I was photographing backstage at the the Roots picnic, and I was just back there doing like photojournalistic fashion style photography. Like, what are the performers wearing? What are the the audience wearing? You know, and I saw you on stage photographing the the performances, and I was like, yo. Mm how do I get to be there? Like, this was like, I was just starting to take <laughs> photography seriously. I'm like, how do I do that? How do I get that access? And then mm. I started following you on social media and I saw some thread where you and Quest Love were just talking so much shit back and forth. And it wasn't like, <laughs> it wasn't like one of you was trolling the other. It looked like y'all were just homies just talking shit. And I was like, yeah. oh, wow, this dude is like connected, right? So he's at the front of the stage documenting uh this picnic and then it's just like homies request love and i was like wow you must have been in the game for a minute man so like how did you get to like how did you get to that stage of your career where you just like homies with some of the biggest names in hip-hop um shit just keep uh, being consistent you know and also um making sure that you give them something that they're going to remember you by. Mm. And, um, you know, being humble, but also, you know, just keep putting out, like I said, giving them something to remember you by. But yes, that means, you know, putting out great work. So you want to give them the work. You want to document them. And and all these artists love photos of themselves, just Mm -hmm. like everybody else in the world. But them, so even more, you know, most of them have, you know, some of the biggest equals in the world. That's what they're doing, what they, you know, mm-hmm. what they're doing. Um, you know, they want to be seen. They want to be looked at. So what I do is try to make them look as best as possible, as great as possible to, you know, my lens. Uh, here you go. Here's the photos. Mm-hmm. And um, Quest, you know, it was just a matter of I love the roots. I love the music. And it was genuine. Like, I'm a fan. Mm-hmm. You know, first and foremost, that's it. So... And that's what it is for me, for anyone that I document, especially in the beginning of my career. It was all about who I love and, and what music I wanted to document and the people that I wanted to be around, like Common, Badu, you know, uh, Bilal, and, um, any of those artists is like, wow, I'm actually in the same room. These guys, this is crazy. So, you know, you just keep coming back. And of course, you know, after a while, you just be cool. You're going to become friends. You know, it's not... Like, hey, be my friend. <laughs> you know, it's just like, you know, you're the only photographer there. You know, eventually, you know, Quest is going to be like, who the fuck are you? <laughs> you know, how'd you, how'd you get back here? And it's like, all right, cool. And that's basically how we started our friendship. And um, to the point now, like, yeah, we just troll each other, have fun. You know, just, it's interesting, man. Yes. Like, still, you know, I, I pinch myself because it's like, yeah, this is Quest Love, but that's my brother. That's dope, man. That's that's really dope, man. And and some of the artists you just mentioned, that's like all, all the Soquarians, right? 
Yeah, uh-huh. So were you part of that early Soquarian, like, development? No, I got, I caught the end of it. Mm, that's yeah, right, it was, it was like late, in, late, late 90s, right? Yeah, late yeah. 90s, yeah. So I was still fascinated uh, by that scene, but I caught the very end of it. Yeah, I mean, that was a dope combination of artists and, like, just creative minds all in the, the same room, or in the same studio, like, at the same time. Like, that was just great for for music, for the culture, you know? Yeah, definitely is. It was. Still is. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. So, is it safe to say that you were, like, a hip-hop, a hip-hop journalist? Uh, I would say I'm a... A hip hop photographer. I didn't consider myself a journalist until uh, more recently, and I still have a problem with calling myself a journalist. Mm. What is uh, what is the uh, issue you have with the the word journalist? Uh, because it's not exactly all that I do. Because I wear many hats mm -hmm. uh, when it comes to photography. You know, I just prefer photography. Yeah, but as if calling myself a journalist opens up doors faster mm -hmm. than just saying photographer, that's fine. But um, when people ask me what I do, you know, uh, what would describe, you know, who I am, you know, as far as my work is concerned, my career, I'm a photographer. Nice. Yeah, I could definitely see how recently you would be sort of categorized as a journalist because journalism usually focuses on current news, news that is happening like, Right, right now, and, yep. um, you know, definitely want to get into some of your like the the transition you made over the last two years because I think is is really important. Yeah, I you know I, I I sort of was looking at the work that you did documenting hip hop with a journalistic lens or a documentarian lens uh, because you were telling the story of what was happening in those moments from like two thousand and two until now. That's sort of how I was seeing it, but I'm not trying to mislabel you, you know what I mean? Right. Gotcha. But um so in your journey documenting some of like hip hop's biggest artists, you know, what are some of the more memorable moments you had with your camera documenting this culture? Um, let's see. Most memorable moments. Um you know, there's a bunch that's running around with Cuddy in the in his early years, uh, before he was really famous. Um early roots picnics, mm -hmm. um, festivals, those are, you know, definitely big memories of mine. Common at SOBs, that was just, you know, the the show that started that's it off. That kicked it all off. Yeah, those would be, you know, a few that I think are very memorable for me. So, you know, for a long time, most folks knew you for, like, your music and your concert photography. But, you know, in recent years, with all of the racial tensions and, you know, the murders by the by police all over the country, you know, um, your work started to take a little shift. You know, how did you transform into, like, you know, the photographer during these protests like how did you make that tr transition well i mean when george floyd was murdered um there wasn't a thought you know it was just go i um, mm. put myself on go mode and just went out and 
you know, focus myself and my lens, my career, everything on documenting what was happening in the streets. So uh, there wasn't much of a change, you know, and for me, it was just, you know, the hardest part was just getting out there and, and making sure that I um, stayed out there. I know you're, you're quoted saying that you seek to create a collective memory that continues the legacy mm-hmm. of the civil rights movement. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm, you know, with so much history in the music, you know, in the music industry, photographing, doing that type of photos for that long, you could have just waited for the world to open back up and just do more music photography, right? But what influences would you say you had in your life that led you down this path that that had that, you know, instinct to just say, go, I'm going to go do this? Like, what influences led you to that? I mean, just shit. Being black for me was enough, and to know to see what was going on, I'd have felt like pretty useless if I would have um, just sat at home and waited around and watched what was happening, you know, right across the street for me unfold and being scared to go out. Uh, you know, I'd have felt pretty shitty. Mm. You know, it wasn't a thought. It was like. You know, I'm never the one to, you know, stand by and let shit happen, especially when it's happening in my own backyard, which is New York. So I just went. It, you know, wasn't a thought. Just absolutely every day until, you know, it ended. And I mean, and it still hasn't ended. It's still, you know, ongoing thing. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, they've slowed down, obviously. But uh, shit, it kicks off again. You know, I'm there. Dedicated. Man, that's that's definitely commendable, man. Like, I know folks were out there every day, every day. It was it was like, at one point, I I felt like this is really going to keep going, like every day. Mm-hmm. You know, um, yeah. You know, stomping the ground, stomping the ground like that, stomping the pavement for those all those consecutive days, man. Like, how did you, how did you, you know, find? time to recharge or you know reconnect with family and things like that uh you know just take a break uh a few you know time i took a, a two-week break once when i was just overwhelmed uh you know i was just relaxed play playstation just chill out um you know a few different things but for sure like i you know there's no way that i could do every single day because it was just a lot of times it's overwhelming. You need a you know mental mental health break. Absolutely. You know I've I photographed. Um, I was hired by like Reuters to photograph a few events and you know some other publications, and that just doesn't feel right to to be hired to do it. You know mm. what I mean? Um, especially when it it boils down to like ownership. Of the of the images and they're just like reselling them all over the place, and mm-hmm. and it's like I'm out there for however many hours, eight, ten hours. I track like nine miles on my on my uh, Apple Watch. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like exhausted, dehydrated for like a day rate and no no rights to the images, and also the amount of emotional you know, um, energy that's spent in it is just, it's just, 
a really bad combination. And then uh, there were times for me when it was like, damn man, I'm 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 right there with the people, you know. And I'm I'm like chanting. I'm like I'm like gaining people's faces. And then I'm like, but do I have to be professional right now? And it's like, no, I, I can't. I can't like be sitting here mm-hmm. contemplating these things, you know. Like mm-hmm. it, you know, just felt weird for me, man. So um. I definitely understand like taking a break because it's hard to be out there working, keeping your head on the swivel so that you stay safe, but then documenting all the emotion while you still feel all the emotion within yourself. You know what I mean? Right. Definitely. You know, how did you, like, how do you think your work would have evolved? It had been like a pandemic. I know the pandemic kind of created this, this pressure, this pressure tube, you know, with like all the protests and the mask mandates and people losing jobs, and it just—it was just like this. It was just about to just explode. You know, the, the amount of tension that folks were feeling. You know, how do you think right. the pandemic sort of like, you know, dictated how your work evolved? Well, I mean, definitely it dictated because I became in two years, uh, you know, just as popular if not even more popular from my work that I've been doing with the protests and just uh, press-related stuff than, you know, as I am with, uh, you know, 20 years of being a hip-hop photographer. So things moved very fast for me uh, during the pandemic, you know, because of, you know, the circumstances, you know, because of things, how fast things were moving when it came to the Black Lives Matter uh, movement. And I just put in the work and dedicated myself, like mm-hmm. I said, and just, you know, kept pushing and pushing and pushing and making sure that these publications that I dreamt of being in and, you know, and making sure they took notice. So, yeah, it's the evolution is there. The progress is there. The work is there. So it's all about, you know, executing. Now it's all about you know, maintaining and, and not even maintaining, keep growing, mm-hmm. you know, but, but also maintaining, you know, the, the status that I have um, in this world. So yeah, pushing forward at the same time, because ultimately it is about what have you done for me lately. But at the end of the day, the legacy is important. So if I was to die tomorrow, I'd be very pleased that what I've accomplished in this, you know, mm-hmm. in my career. I mean, it's, it's funny to hear you say that, you know, um, What'd you just say? Uh, what have you done for me lately, right? And um, a lot of my friends who were out during the protests, you know, had very similar feelings where they were out there and publications are like, hey, hey, can you do this? Can you do that? You have any photos for this? Whatever, right? It was like everything was trending. And then mm-hmm. once, once the protests slowed down and stopped, you know, so did the calls, you know, so did the requests. And, you know, there was this sort of, limbo that a lot of black photographers were in after the height of the protest. And it was like, well, now what am I going to do? Because I can't just focus on protest work. There's other stories that need to be told. Publications aren't always interested in stories in the black community that don't deal with violence or don't deal with some sort of pain and struggle, you know? So there was like this, uh, just like this empty feeling that a lot of black photographers had after all of that. Right. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Some, some emptiness. That's why for me, I didn't, I'm 
I've never taken uh, an assignment before, you know, when it came to this, Mm -hmm. to what was happening. Um, I looked at myself as uh, the Getty, you know, you're going to pay me for my Mm -hmm. work and I'm going to make, I'm going to make more by selling, you know, to different people if I want to, you know, a lot of times I didn't want to, I wanted to keep it, you know, for myself and Mm -hmm. it pushed, pushed my brand to grow. Mm -hmm. Uh, but, um, yeah, yeah, you know, taking it, and, you know, I understand why some photographers, a lot of photographers have to, but for me, I was in a position where I necessarily didn't have to do that, um, because of, you know, how long I've been doing what I've been doing and, um, people started seeing the work and they're like, oh, okay, can we license this from you? But yeah, I've been asked, you know, the shitty rate. And I'm like, well, why am I going to do that? I'm already down in dc i'm already in these places i already have the connections i'm already on the ground i don't need you you need me so yeah and don't you're gonna pay for it and don't sell your don't sell your rights for that that shitty day rate where it's it's almost not worth it you know yeah a lot of photographers still do i mean all those guys unless you've been um with you know getty since like the beginning or something like that you will like you're 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 gonna uh what am I trying to say? Right, you're gonna sign your rights away. You your whole day of working right, you make what like thirty percent of the photo. You know, you're lucky if you get one amazing photo and you might get paid, but I'm just like it's not really worth it for me. I'd rather not get the uh you know, have my photo in every single newspaper you know, around or whatever, own my photo mm-hmm. and then you know, I'll sell it to or license it to one magazine and get that same, you know, uh, get that money or even close to what I would make by a whole lot. But I, I own the rights to the photo. Yeah. At the end of the day, I own my masters. Exactly. So, exactly. For I, one thing you, you learn from the music industry, right, is, is ownership. Exactly. <laughs> ownership. Yeah. yeah. And that's what, for me, like my whole career has been about ownership. There's been a lot. Like I could be, Probably, you know, way more popular photographer if I went, uh, you know, a different route, uh, Getty and all that stuff. But I wanted to do things my way, and I'm going to continue to do them my way. That's amazing. And I think that business side is something that a lot of people, a lot of, they don't teach these photographers this, you know, this information. A lot of us learn through um, random conversations, um, you know, with somebody who's more experienced. Like, you've been in the game 20 years uh, you have that understanding of what it means to own your your work. A new photographer, you right. just get gassed off of the fact that somebody's interested in hiring them, and they're like, "Yo, you can have everything. You don't, it doesn't matter. I just want to work for you because of the name. I dreamt of photographing for Getty. I dreamt of photographing for New York Times or whoever. So you can have all my rights. I just want to photograph for you. And it's not years. It's not till years down the line where we start to understand that. We just gave away so much rights. We gave away so much um, money. You know, like I know you mm-hmm. have you have two books, right? Like if you yep. don't own those photos, ain't no books, right? You know That's what I mean? Difficult. Yeah, right. So, um, but I think it's dope that you know you were able to. You had like this one lane of photography focused on like you know hip hop and music and nightlife. And then, like, in that two-year span, you know, you became a household name where I had people 
texting me like, yo, tune into this IG live. This dude is going in. And I click on it. Mm. I'm like, oh, shit, Mel? Like, mm-hmm. like, <laughs> when, like, when did that happen? You know what I mean? I was like, right. that's a dope transition. It's not one. It's not one that you expect to see. Like uh, someone who focuses mostly on music, be right in the mm-hmm. heart of some of the like craziest protests that we've seen. You know, um, so I think that was a dope transition. And um, you know, I, I wonder like how do you like what are the similarities you see in how you photograph music and nightlife versus how you photograph these protests? The 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 answer. Is always just keeping your head on a swivel, mm-hmm. you know, just paying paying attention to, you know, everything that's going on. Um, never losing the focus when it comes to paying attention to everything. When you're on a stage, you know, you're looking at everything. When you're out, you know, walking the streets, that's your stage. So you're looking at everything. You try to capture it all, even though you're gonna miss a whole bunch of stuff. So no, I hear you with that, man. I'm I'm from Brooklyn, and I, I I sometimes I wonder like, do I see the world like is my photographic eye developed because um from Brooklyn I always had to watch my surroundings and, and pay attention mm-hmm. to people's mannerisms and right. like I can look at a group of people and almost instantly I can tell like it, are they play fighting are they about to beef. Mm-hmm. Do they know each other? Yeah, are they just asking questions for directions? Like I can look at that scene and then know if I if, if I should keep going in this direction or should I just like cross the street and, and avoid whatever's happening over there, you know? Right, um, man. Intuition. Absolutely, absolutely. So um tell us about January sixth, two thousand twenty one. Like what was that voice in your head saying before you know, before you took that trip to Washington? Um shit. I was talking to one of my friends, another photographer and he was asking me if I was going to go down. And I was like, yeah, I'm not sure. I didn't. I was kind of just over it at that point. You know, um, there was the last two. They had two prior rallies, Save, the, Save America rallies. Trump did the drive-by, I think, when he flew over in the airplane. And I was just like, eh. You know, saw a couple photos from there. And I got FOMO. And I was like, all right, this one I'm going to go. I'm going to apply for credential. I'm going to get the, the official stuff and go down there and shoot. And um, that was basically it. I was like, I think I'll be able to get, you know, some screaming and yelling photos, maybe some mace, <laughs> you know, and then I'll be home. You know, no, you know, I, I didn't think it was going to be, you know, one of the most important news stories of our, you know, existence right now. Um, but um, yeah, I'm shit. I can't even say luckily, luckily, because I don't believe in luck. It's just intuition mm-hmm. again that that told me you got to go to this one because this one is going to be, you know, a big one. And that's what I did, man. Just followed the crowd and I was able to, you know, run right into the fire and get these amazing shots that, uh, that you see. Yo, like in all honesty, that like as a black man going into that scene, like I was sitting in, I have so many questions. Like what, like what does the scene around, you look like, you know, how many uh, other right. black photographers are there? You know what I mean? It was like, you know, in your uh, photo, none. I, I, yo, Zero. I can other imagine. Black photographers. There was, uh, there's other photographers of color. I saw an Asian guy. I saw, uh, this one, uh, photographer that I know he's there. He's a, uh, I think he's from 
uh, Europe, but by way of Egypt, maybe mm -hmm. Middle Eastern. Uh, I don't exactly know, but he was there. But as far as black photographers that I saw, no, I know that there were other black photographers there, but I just didn't see. Yeah. You know, there was another. There was a wave of people. You know, the people, the photos you see that um, people were inside. They came. They were there a little bit earlier. You know, minutes before I got there. But yeah, it was just crazy, man. Uh, believe it or not, there was uh, shit, maybe a handful of black, you know, Trump supporters. You see the ones that I documented, mm -hmm. yeah, and my photographs and and interviews, and um. But yeah, it, it was crazy. It, it was really crazy. Um, I'm, sometimes I look back and I'm just shocked. Like, wow, I didn't get fucked with. You know, it's, they must have thought that I was, you know, one of them. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know why, because I saw a lot of other photographers uh, stuff getting broken and, and you know cnn and new york times so on and so forth so forth but a lot of those times man it's like intuition again you know i knew what to wear i knew how to you know blend in so to speak and um so they're just not you know they're not gonna look at me like oh you look too liberal i'm not going in there mm -hmm. you know with fresh kicks on or whatever you know yeah. trying to like i'm just looking super regular you know, with camel jacket on, look like I'm going hunting. <laughs> Seeing your photo essay, there was a quote that said that you, you captured to say, kill him with his own gun. And we know, mm -hmm. like, and that's the vibe of the people that are there, you know. And, you know, we know that Trump supporters are, they, they're not friendly with media, photojournalists, and... Yeah, for the most part, I wouldn't say that about all of them. Honestly, mm -hmm. a lot of them, uh, you come with you come correct in uh, with an open mind and without an agenda of trying to make them look stupid. Mm. You'll get people to talk to you. Um, if you come with you know crazy questions that they think they're gonna you know make them look bad, um, you know they'll sniff that out really quick. Uh, you just have to come. Like for me, it was all about education and learning and then showing people what was uh, going on instead of listening to CNN, instead of listening to Fox. Okay, here I go. I'm here. You know, I'm not trying to, you know, skew this anyway. I'm here actually because I'm thoroughly interested in, in learning about why these people think what they think. So, um, yeah, man, it, it, it wasn't hard to... Uh, to get people to talk, honestly. People are just, I mean, I have so many interviews that I haven't even published, but yeah, audio interviews and so on, where people are just, you know, yes, I'll talk to you. <laughs> awesome. Uh, yeah. That's amazing, man. I mean, I, I think what that's one thing I appreciated about how you documented that event and some of the other protests and, and events that you were at was that mm -hmm. you, were, you were like having these conversations you know, um, they were they weren't they weren't like emotionally heightened conversations either. It wasn't like y'all yelling back and forth at each other. It was just like a regular conversation, and you recording it. And I right. appreciated that. And in my mind, I'm just like, that takes a certain amount. That there's a there's certain personalities that can go into confrontational situations and circumstances, and their personality diffuses you know, the tension that can easily erupt, you know what I mean? And it looked like mm -hmm. you were able to do that. So I was just really admiring how you were able to get oh, these you. real conversations with folks 
during this like really tense climate. You know what I mean? Thank you. Yeah, for sure, man. Uh, this is Mel D. Cole. You're tuned into the Black Shutter Podcast. I want to give a big shout out to everyone who tuned into this episode. Thank you for listening. The Black Shutter Podcast is hosted by me, Idris Talib Solomon. To subscribe to the Black Shutter Podcast, head over to iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play. When you get there, show us some love by dropping a five-star rating or leaving a review. This will help with our rankings, which essentially helps more black photographers get exposure. Make sure to check us out online at blackshutterpodcast.com to read the show notes, learn more about our guests, and check out some of their work. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Peace. Until next time.